Take your seats. Who's happy to be in church this morning? I know I'm so happy to be here. I missed you guys last Sunday. Last Sunday, I had every intention to be here first service. I was going to miss second service because my daughter, our daughter is in the Nutcracker, and she's in that like once a year. So I thought it would be okay to miss second service, but... One of our sons woke up sick, and so we are home. And so I was so glad that we had online service. So we turned on online service in the living room. I turned on, I don't know if you guys know, but we've got 52 weeks worth of content online for kids. And so we picked a, a kid's service online. The kids were down in the basement. I heard them worshiping up the stairs, and I was able to tune in and be with you guys in person. So those of you joining online, so glad that you guys are here But man, when I was here this morning worshiping, I'm like, man, there's nothing like worshiping in community with believers. It's nice to be able to do it at home, but man, so glad to be here this morning with you guys. You guys doing good? Well, we are in our sixth and final week of Running with the Giants, and we have so enjoyed this series Last week and then this week, we're doing a more of a Christmas edition of this series. Last week, Pastor Eric talked about Joseph, the father of the earthly father of Jesus, and then today we're going to talk about Mary, the earthly father of Jesus. But man, we have so enjoyed preparing, and we have gotten so much out of it. Personally, sometimes you might be like, oh, when you're preaching up here, you're preaching to us. Yes, but we're preaching to ourselves too. We hear the message more than you guys do because we practice. And so we're growing so much through this series, and so we've had the thought that, man, it'd be so nice to continue a series like this in 2022 at some point, um, to continue to dive into people of faith, men and women of faith. And so we're prayerfully considering maybe doing that sometime in 2022. We're really expecting, so this is the last Sunday of the series for now. We got Christmas services coming up. Next weekend's the Holly Jolly Sunday, and then Christmas Eve service is coming up. Um, and then in January, man, we are so excited about January. We've got 21 days of prayer and fasting coming up, um, basics classes, the first basics 301 prayer class, and just so much expectancy in our heart, possibly revealing some kind of building thing. And so we've got something on our heart for Sunday mornings in January, but prayerfully considering maybe we bring something like a running with the giants back. Um, later on in the year. But this morning, we're closing it out. We're talking about Mary. In Hebrews 11, we know there's this whole list of giants of the faith, and we've leaned into a lot of their lives. We've taken a lap. We've ran a lap with a lot of these giants. And then every Sunday, we've been looking at Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, that follows up on Hebrews 11. And it says this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, referring to these men and women of faith that have lived their life, they're leaning over the guardrails of heaven, cheering us on, since we're surrounded by so many people that have gone before us. Let's strip off the weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that is set, that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. That's like part A of the second verse. I'm going to share part B of the second verse. We haven't shared the whole verse, this whole series, but I'm going to close out. So he says, let's keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one that perfects our faith. Jesus really is the greatest example of faith. And it goes on to explain Jesus's example of faith. Because of the joy that awaited him, 
Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Man, I love this scripture. We've been reading it every Sunday, but God's saying, man, run your race with endurance. Run it with endurance and keep our eyes on Jesus. We haven't dived into Jesus's life. We are a little bit in in this uh, Christmas edition, but Jesus lived a life of faith. He's the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. He gave us such an example of faith in this interweaving, in that last scripture. Go ahead and put that last uh, slide up again. This interweaving of joy. As Jesus lived his life, he had his eyes on the joy that was ahead. And then he also endured the cross. There was some hardship he endured. And there was some shame, some humiliation that he experienced. But then ultimately seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Because of the joy before him, he had some hardships, he endured the cross. He disregarded the shame, the humiliation. And ultimately there was honor that he ended up at the right hand of the Father. And so we just see this intertwine of joy and hardship and sometimes humiliation, but ultimately honor in the life of all of these men and women of faith. You know, it's not called a stroll of faith. It's called a fight of faith. It's not called, you know, a bed of roses of faith. It's called run with endurance. And so we see that through all of these people. I think the common thread in all of these messages have been this phrase that the giants of faith have been encouraging us of don't give up. And I think Mary's going to be saying something similar to us this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. God, we thank you that as we run our race with endurance, we can fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured some hardship. And even people misunderstanding him, there was humiliation, but ultimately honor. Lord, help us follow his example, and the example of those that have gone before us. Open up our heart, God. Our mind is open and alert. Our heart, spirit is alert to what you have for each and every one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're taking a run with Mary. We're calling Mary out of the stands of heaven and saying, hey, Mary, come and take a run with us. This is the first sister that we're taking a run with, and honestly, I'm really excited about it. Um, There's something about... Um, As a woman, meeting someone, another woman of like faith, there's a kindred spirit, a sisterhood of faith, and I think that as we meet her, I think we would just have a kindred spirit with her, and I can picture myself hugging her and being in awe of her journey, and like, Mary, tell us, what was it like to be Jesus's earthly mother? And Mary, tell us about your journey. I think we would really like her. I think she would be really awesome. Quick recap. So Mary and Joseph, we talked about last week, are the earthly parents of Jesus. Um, We know that both of them came from the lineage of both Abraham and David, which, which Old Testament prophesied about. Mary was 12 to 14 years old when the angel approached her. She was 12, maybe 13, maybe 14, when God picked her. We need to not look down on youth, right? Up until she lived 12 years, 13 years, and in those 13, 12, 14 years, she had 
lived a life of honor and faithfulness enough for God to entrust her to be the mother, earthly mother of her son, of his son. Um, so she was, Mary was 12 to 14 when the angel appeared. She was betrothed to Joseph, which in Jewish culture, there is the engagement, but then the, there is the um, be, um, betrothed ceremony, and then there is the wedding ceremony. And so they had gone through an official ceremony where they both, both made commitments of faithfulness to one another. And they were in this one-year gap before Joseph would come, Jewish tradition would be that the, the soon-to-be husband would surprise the fiancé. That There wasn't a wedding date. There wasn't a save-the-date in the calendar. It was like when the husband was ready, he would come back, kind of like we're waiting. No one knows the day or hour that Jesus is returning. No one, the, Mary didn't know the day or the hour that Joseph was going to come back to officially marry her. So she was in that season. We don't know much about Mary's childhood, and really we don't even know very much about her parents. We do know that she was raised in Nazareth, and um, Nazareth is like a no-name town. It had a population of around 400 people at the time of Jesus, which would be small today, and it would have been small back then too. Jerusalem at the time of Jesus had around 50,000 people on a non-holiday season. And so Nazareth was a very, uh, Mary grew up in a very, Mary and Joseph grew up in a very small community. It was never, Nazareth was never named in the Old Testament. And historians, when historians talked about Nazareth, they said two things. One, that Nazareth had a really weak well, and having a good well was an important thing back in those days. And, And the other thing historians said is that no one would have any good reason to go to Nazareth. People, city people, urban people in Jerusalem would look down on people from Nazareth. You know, Jesus was often referred to as Jesus of Nazareth. But the phrase of Nazareth was not like an honorable phrase. It was like Jesus of the backwood country. You know, Nazareth was like a backwoods type area. And so that's her upbringing. We don't know much about her parents, but we can assume that they were God-fearing people full of faith. Other things that historians say about Nazareth is that because it was so small and because no one really ever traveled through it, um, the influence of secular and Greek culture did not impact the area, the town of Nazareth. So Nazareth was known to be a Jewish community and a Jewish community that did not have the influence of the influences of, of the world. It was a traditional, conservative Jewish community that really followed the law as we see it in the Old Testament. Um, We know that Mary was a virgin, and that was definitely something about her life that is mentioned numerous times. I think we can learn from that that sexual purity is a big deal to God. The angel greeted her by calling her highly favored one, whom the Lord is with, blessed among, among women. And so we have a, a, a little idea of Mary, and from everything that we read about her, she was definitely a, a just woman, a woman that feared the Lord, a woman that loved the Lord, a woman that through her life was counted faithful by the Lord. And so we're running with Mary, and I think probably the first thing that she would say to us is this, God will speak to you. Listen and believe. 
Let's take a look at Luke 1, 26 through 33. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who was named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, the angel, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting was this. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. Wow, that's a lot for a 12-year-old to process. <laughs> so here she is in the backwoods of Nazareth, and an angel of the Lord appears to her and says all of these things about her. And her response was, okay, but how? There was no precedence. The interesting thing is Zacharias said the same thing because the angel of the Lord came to Zacharias and he asked the question, how also? But there was biblical precedence for his wife to conceive even in an old age. And so it was looked at as disbelief. But Mary was asking how because this had never happened before, virgin conception. And so she was just acting practically. I've never heard of a thing like this. How is this going to happen? So the angel explains to her, and her response is found in verse Luke 138. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Wow! There was a lot Mary did not know about this situation. But she heard the word from the Lord. She received, she believed it, and she acted on it. She said, let it be. I am a servant of the Lord, whatever he needs of me to do. So I think Mary this morning would say, hey, God is going to talk to you about your future. I think Mary would encourage us this morning, God is going to speak to you and tell you ways that you can serve him. I think she would say, you simply need to be, believe and be willing to serve him however it is that he wants you to, that he wants you to serve him. And something miraculous that just really caught my attention as I was studying this week is the fact that God told Mary, but Mary, but God also told a lot of other people. God told Mary, Mary was the first person that God told the specifics of what was going to happen about how the Messiah was going to come and when the Messiah was going to come and what it would all look like. And I just want to pause on that note. I, I love the fact that God entrusted a woman, a 12-year-old young woman, with the details of how the Messiah was going to come on his entrance into the world. And God also entrusted a woman, an ex-prostitute woman, with the message of his resurrection. Don't you love how God empowers all people, teenage girls and prostitute girls, on the message coming in and on the message of him leaving? So cool. But God confirms what he spoke to Mary by speaking it to numerous other people. Two years before Jesus was born, there was the wise men, right? The Magi. These were these men that were not of Jewish descent or Jewish culture, they were men of secular culture that studied the sky, 
They were into science. They celebrated magic. I mean, they were not godly people, but they heard of this um, Jewish king that was to come, and they believed in the prophecies about him, and they believed that what they were seeing, God says that he will perform wonders in the sky. They believed what they were seeing in the sky correlated And so God moved on these men two years before Jesus was even born, and they literally packed up an entire entourage to follow this star. I can imagine Mary, as she's telling us about this, being like, wow, God told me, but God even told these guys who are outside of the Jewish culture about it, and they came, and wow, God speaks. God also told Zacharias, um, about his son and how his son would prepare the way. Then God told Mary, which we just saw. Then after Mary, God told Joseph, and Joseph heard and believed. And then after that, God told the shepherds in the field. They heard and believed and acted. And then God told Simeon, a just man, in the town, in the city of Jerusalem, that, hey, before you die, you're going to see the Messiah. And he saw the Messiah as an infant and believed. Then God told Anna, the prophetess, and when Jesus came to the temple, she perceived that it was him even as a babe. I love that. Mary, this morning, I I think would encourage us that God is going to speak to you, and God is going to confirm what he speaks to you through the word, but also through speaking the same thing to other people in your community and outside of your community. I love what scripture says. Romans 8.14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, These are the sons of God. You could flip that around and say the sons of God, the people of faith, people who believe in God, are led by the Spirit of God. We should have this expectation that God is going to speak to us. He's going to speak to us through the Word, the Bible. He's going to speak to us in our heart. He's going to speak to us through numerous ways, through visions and dreams and all these different things, right? John 14, 16 through 17, and I will pray the And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may uh, abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, referring to the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. Scripture is saying, whether you know, whether you feel like it or not, you know him. You know the Holy Spirit. You know the spirit of truth. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you know him. Sometimes people are like, Well, I don't feel saved. Anybody ever had a day where you're like, I just don't feel saved today? Well, we don't go based off of our feelings. The word says that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we are saved. So scripture is saying this morning that God has sent us the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, and the world doesn't know or hear or understand him but we do. We know him. We know his voice, the voice of a stranger we won't follow. So whether you feel like you know the spirit of truth or not, scripture says that you do. So we need to tune our frequency to be aware of, God, what are you saying to me in my heart? What are you saying to me through the word? Lastly, John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So Mary's just echoing what scripture says. Hey, God's going to tell you things, and he's going to show you things to come. Make sure you hear, believe, and obey. Mary, um, Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, was the mother of John the Baptist. And when Mary told Elizabeth all of this, Elizabeth's response to Mary was this. 
talking about Mary. She said, blessed is she, basically blessed are you, for, for you have believed. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Love that about Mary. Childlike faith, really, right? She heard from the Lord, she believed, and she acted. But I love about, another thing I love about this story is just how God spoke to so many people the same thing. And he's still doing that today. You know, he spoke to the secular magi, you know, um, science-loving, magic-loving, secular outside of the Jewish community people. God spoke to them, and they listened and they believed. God spoke to the religious leader, Zacharias, while he was in the temple. God spoke to teenagers with Mary and Joseph. God even spoke to the unborn. We see in scripture that when um, John the Baptist was in Elizabeth's womb, and when Mary came next to her and Jesus was in Mary's womb, that John the Baptist sensed the presence of the Messiah and leapt in her womb. I believe God even speaks to the unborn. He speaks to simple people like the shepherds, and he speaks to just about community folk like Simeon. He speaks the same thing to all of them. And here's the thing this morning. God speaks to you. There's things this morning that this is confirming something that God's already doing in your heart, that yes, God, you are confirming this in my life. Or maybe hopefully this morning it's encouraging you that, man, I need to be more spiritually attentive. God, what are you speaking to me in this season? I love that God speaks to us, but he also, as as we're in a faith community, as we all have the Holy Spirit in our heart as believers, God has such a cool way of speaking to us something and speaking the same thing to someone else to confirm what he's doing. And I know many of you guys have experienced that in life, and it's it's such like honey when God does that. I can think back to when Eric and I were in Bible school. We were in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was our first year at Bible school. We had been married for less than a year, and I think it was Winter Bible Seminar, and for some reason, it was a very large church, and there was an upper balcony, and I think either we had just come from class, or we had just come from work, so we were in the upper balcony, like in one of the back rows, and we were never in the balcony. We were always, like, front row sitters. Shout out to the front row sitters. But for whatever reason, that morning, we were in the back row, but it was a prayer meeting, and we were praying, and the whole service was prayer, kind of like our Sunday nights of prayer and worship. And and we were praying, and after this prayer meeting, this lady that was a couple seats ahead of us that we didn't really know personally, we kind of had seen her in classes before, she came up to us and she just said, hey, as I was praying, I just want to let you know that I just sensed this call on both of your guys' lives, but I also sense a call on your children's lives. So I, I, I was just burdened to pray for your kids, and we didn't have kids yet. Kids were still like four years out, but we were dreaming about our future family, and it just was honey. It wasn't weird or kooky or spooky or weird, but she was just like, I really have this sense and I want to share it with you to be an encouragement. And it was such an encouragement. Have you guys experienced that before? Such an encouragement. I remember when we were in Kalamazoo on staff at a church there, it was a Sunday morning and it was um, like six or seven years ago and we had Ellen Eli and we were praying about a third because everyone's like, you got a boy, you got a girl, why go for the third? And we were like, but we kind of we, we desire it, but man, it would change things, right? And so we were praying about it, and it was like a big thing that we were praying through, but at the same time, we were also sensing that with the birth of a thirdborn, there would also be some kind of significant ministry shift, and there was just a lot of unknown that we were praying out. And 
It was after service. We were all in the lobby walking around, and this lady that I was just an acquaintance with, really, and at the time that she said it, I didn't even know her name, but I knew her face. She came up to me in church, and she said, hey, I just want to let you know, I wasn't going to tell you this, but I really think it's from the Lord. I had a dream about you a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was even a couple months ago, and I just had this dream that you were pregnant with your third child, and that Pastor Beth's arm was like around you in this um, strong but really supportive way. And I didn't know all of what that meant, but it was honey to me. First of all, that she had this dream that I was pregnant with my third boy and definitely confirmed some things. But also was sensing transition in ministry and that there would be this strength and supporting thing from our pastors, which was really cool. Another one, as I was thinking, was when we were transitioning when, I think it was before our meeting with our pastors when God started to birth alive. Um... There were some intercessors that had been intercessors for the church in Kalamazoo, as well as intercessors for our pastors for a long time. And I'm pretty sure it was before we even met with them that this intercessor called our our pastors and was like, hey, I I was just praying and I just want to say I just felt so strongly that Eric and Erica have been faithful. I I don't know who this intercessor is, but she, I guess, was aware of who was on staff. Eric and Erica have been faithful and and there's going to be a ministry transition. They're going to be transitioning off, and it's good, and you need to support it, and it's God doing it. And so it's just so cool that God confirms through what he's speaking to you, but what he's speaking through other people too. And so I just want to encourage you. Man, as I was thinking about that, I was like, all of those were in the house of the Lord at a prayer meeting. It was at church on a Sunday morning in the lobby, and I wasn't looking for it, but it just happened, and I was in the right place. The other one, we were on staff at a church. We were there every day. But man, there's something so important about being here in faith community, face-to-face with one another in the same space as the Holy Spirit moves. Sunday nights of prayer and worship, we do that the first Sunday night of every month, but in January, in correspondence with 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're going to be doing it almost every Sunday night in January. Man, get here on Sunday night to prayer meetings. There's something so special that happens when you dedicate an hour of your time to just say, I'm just going to worship and pray in community with my church family on Sunday night. God speaks to you and he speaks through other people. And I just want to say one more thing. God speaking through other people and it confirming what he's speaking in you. Um, oftentimes that's not like a daily thing. Oftentimes that's not like a monthly thing. Oftentimes, sometimes it doesn't even happen every year. But oftentimes it does happen during seasons of transition. Like this was a big season of transition, and God was speaking to a lot of people about what was going to be birthed through Mary or about Jesus coming. Oftentimes in seasons of transitions where you need anchors in the word and you need anchors in your heart and you need anchors of people who are in community with you saying, yes, I, I sense that that's what God is saying too. God will, there will be an increase of that. And the other thing is this, that Sometimes people say prophecy and they think, oh, it's quirky and it's weird and it has this tone that's demanding or condescending or, you know, condemning. And it's not that. When God's speaking something to your heart and he speaks it to someone else, when they share it with you, it should feel like honey. It should be like, yes, that's what God's been speaking to me. Also, thank you for sharing that with me. Amen. So God, so Mary's encouraging us this morning that God is speaking to you. 
Let's believe that and let's receive it that, God, I'm coming to church with expectation. I'm coming to my daily prayer time with expectation. I'm coming to my word. I'm coming to prayer with expectation that you are going to show me things to come just like you promised you're going to. Amen? All right, next thing, Mary, I think, would say as we're taking a lap with her, I think she would say, hey, I want to encourage you to recognize and revere the holy thing that God has impregnated you with. Recognize the and revere the holy thing that God has impregnated you with. I mean, I think a lot of us, especially as a woman who has been pregnant, I've considered what was that like to have Jesus growing as a baby inside you? Like, whoa, like being a mother is a holy thing and pregnancy is a holy thing. But on top of that, like the savior of the world coming from your body. Whoa, like Mary, what was that like? And not only that, but Mary was his mother. Like, I'm assuming that there was a season of his life when he was fully dependent on her as a nursing baby, a season of his life where he learned language. You know, he he developed and grew just as any human was. He was fully human and fully man. And so Mary had the responsibility of any mother, but especially the responsibility to raise the Savior of the world. Like, Mary, wow, what was that like? You know, as, as I've, I've had that thought before, you know, I was, Ezra was born three days before Christmas, and so as, you know, the Advent season and, and thinking about it, it's like, wow, what would that be like, and how would I pray differently, and how would I talk differently, and how would I act differently if I was pregnant with Jesus? Like, what would that look like? And I think Mary, if she was here with us this morning, would look at us with confusion and be like, it's no different than you. My experience of God within me is no different than your experience of God within you. I think Mary this morning would say, you are pregnant with purpose from God. And the same way that I recognized and revered the fact that God was in me, God is within you literally in the same way he was within me. I see her looking at us and saying, yes, I was a a vessel for Jesus, but you are a vessel of the Holy Spirit. We see that in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Is that mind-blowing? That's mind-blowing to me because sometimes I think we think, oh, Mary must have been so holy. Mary must have really recognized the significance of her role. But Mary's, I think, looking at us this morning and saying, no, it's the same as you. The Holy Spirit is within you in the same literal way that Jesus was within me. So how how should that impact the way that we live and believe and pray and act and think? Mary's saying, God called me to serve him by bearing and raising his son. How has God called you to serve him? How is God tapping on your heart to fully surrender your life to his kingdom purposes? I think Mary would say this morning, don't dismiss it. You think that what I had was so important, and yes, it was an important role, but all of our roles are important. What has God asked you to do for his kingdom? Mary's saying, hey, he asked me to bear his son, to raise his son, but what is he asking you to do for his kingdom? He's asking all of us to do something for his kingdom. He wants us to be co-laborers with Christ to 
build his kingdom, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Mary's saying, recognize and revere that holy calling, the Holy Spirit that is within you. God wants to move through your life in the same way that he moved, in a similar way that he moved through Mary. Amen? All right, as we round our last lap with Mary, I think that she would say this, yield to God's timing and yield to his ways. You know, I picture Mary as a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old finally betrothed to the man of her dreams, and here comes this angel declaring this news, and I think a normal teenager in her position would be like, God, don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Finally found the man of my dreams. You're telling me to leave him? Or what if he doesn't, like, believe I'm going to have to leave him? And it's so embarrassing. And all I really want is to be married and have a family. But what if I become a single mom or whatever? Mary could have responded that way. What does this mean? And what are the town people going to think? Or what are my parents going to think? And what are my friends going to think? And what's Joseph going to think? And she didn't have the answers to all those questions. She just said, let it be to me according to your word. She was completely yielded to God's plan, whatever might come. And I can picture her in the manger holding Jesus, you know, weary from childbirth and awe of, of life, let alone the life of the Messiah. And I can, I can picture her hearing the commotion of the shepherds coming from the field. Something's happening outside the stable. And these shepherds come in and they're all excited. And they're like, you, you won't believe what we just saw. We saw the whole cloud, you know, the whole sky filled with angels. And they're proclaiming the Savior is born. And oh my gosh, let me see this child. You can imagine the energy of the shepherds. And and scripture says in that moment, in Luke 2.19, as she's hearing everything the shepherds said, this is Mary's response. She heard them and she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary just had an awareness of what God was doing and was yielded to whatever his way, whatever his timeline was. Jesus' life was full of all of these fullness of time Moments. We see Galatians 4, 4 through 5. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. I see Mary yielded to this. Yielded to God, whatever you want me to do, and yielded to God's timeline and his method. Two more stories in Mary's life, and then we'll officially close. One is this moment when Jesus is grown now, and it's at the moment right before his first miracle. And it's at the wedding in Cana, and I believe Mary was fully submitted to God's timeline and his will, his way, and his, his method. And I believe that Jesus, I believe that Mary had faith in Jesus as the Messiah. She believed. And I believe that her faith and awareness of God's timeline helped bring forth the first miracle. Let's take a look at it. In John 2, verse 3 through 5, and then verse 7. It says, when they're at the wedding, and they ran out of wine, and the mother of Jesus said to him, Mary said to Jesus, hey, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, not mother, but woman, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And so then Mary walks away, and she goes to the servants, and she says, whatever he says to you, do it. And then later on, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. I love this scripture. I think there's so many dynamics in this scripture. So here they are at a wedding. It's probably a family wedding of Mary's relatives. And she she sees that 
the wine is gone and she knows that her son has the capacity to fill, to make the wine happen. She has faith and faith always precedes miracles, right? She has faith that her son can do something about it. She also, I believe, has a perception of God's timing and also a submission to God's leadership, God's lordship. You see in this moment a transition where she is Jesus's mother, but she's also his follower. And so you see this transition where she responds to Jesus, I think both motherly and as a believer, and he responds to her as a believer. You're not my mother, you're a woman in this moment. And then you see Jesus responding to her faith. You see her setting the stage of faith. She believed that it could happen, and she spurred faith in the servants, like, hey, whatever he says, do. Building faith in the atmosphere, and the first miracle takes place. We know that Jesus lived, and he was 100% man and 100% God. And while we don't know all the dynamics that happened in this moment, I do believe that Mary had a sense of God's timing and a submission to God's timing in this moment. The last thing that I want to mention is Mary's submission and following of Jesus, the timeline, the method, God's way, all the way to the cross. She was there at his birth. She was the only one that was there both at his birth and at his death. She was one of four of his followers who followed him all the way to the cross. I don't think she pictured it that way. When she responded to the angel, the angel made it sound like he was going to be their reigning king, and there was nothing about that that included him dying. But she said, I am amazed, sir. Let it be according to me, let it be done to me according to your word. Mary followed God's way, God's timeline, his method, all the way to the cross, mixed in with all of the mama emotions of not only is this my savior that's dying, but this is the child that came out of my body that's dying and her yieldedness to God's plan, his method, his way, his timeline is something that we can learn from. We have so much to learn from Mary. I think as she runs away, she's reminding us, God will speak to you. Listen and obey. I think she really wants us to know, hey, yes, I was impregnated with purpose and with literal Jesus, but there is purpose in the literal Holy Spirit within you. Recognize it and revere it. And I think that she would say, hey, trust God, don't give up. Yield to his way his timeline, whatever it might look like. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the life of Mary and what we can glean from her. And God, we just pause to recognize, just pause for a minute in your own heart, both in person and online. God, what is that thing that you have been tapping us on the shoulder about? There's holy purpose within us. You've been speaking to our heart. What is that thing that you have spoken to us? What is that thing that you're wanting to do through us? Lord, we submit once again to your plan, your purpose, your way. We recognize and we revere and we submit to whatever you have for us. However, we can be the biggest impact for your kingdom.
regardless of if it might include hardship or if we might not know the end game or if it might be a little embarrassing and people might think we're a Jesus freak or whatever it might be or there might be an inconvenience of time or money or, or emotional capacity. Lord, let our life be fully submitted to you, servants of God like Mary fully submitted and yielded, that you would use our life to maximum capacity for your kingdom. Lord, what is that? Reveal it to us today. Reveal it to us this week. And Lord, give us the strength to respond with enthusiasm and with faith and with endurance. Lord, help us run our race with endurance as we keep our eyes on you, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Help us see the joy that is coming. Help us endure and have endurance through hard times and even through times that might be embarrassing or people misunderstanding us because we know of the honor and the glory to come for your kingdom. With all eyes closed and all head bowed, if there's anyone here this morning that you say, you know what, if I'm honest, I think my first step is just fully surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus in my life. He's been my Savior, but he hasn't been my Lord. And today my first response is to say, Jesus, you're not only my Savior, save me from sins, but you're my Lord. You're the captain of my ship. Whatever you say, I will do. With all eyes closed and head bowed in this holy moment online and in person, would you raise your hand and just let me know, let God know you're all about it, you're all in. Amen. Church, let's pray a prayer of rededication together. Heavenly Father, we're all in. Jesus, you are our Lord. You're the captain of our ship. Let it be done to us according to your will your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.